my mom used to tell me I paid for my raisin, and I guess I'm getting a dose of my own medicine here. It's great. I'm glad you all can talk and greet and say howdy. Welcome and good morning. Yes, I am not Tom Humphrey. And after last service, you maybe even wish you had him more than otherwise. No, the Lord's faithful and good. Um, I I miss him too. The reason I say that is because I know there have been times I've gone to worship someplace where I was expecting a certain person to speak and they weren't. (laughs) And, you know, it's not not that you don't want to hear the other guy, but, you know, you're kind of... Well, anyway, uh, if you need a Bible, we have them ready here. Uh, Stuart and Stephen have one, some to give you. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12 and uh, start at verse 20. My desire here for you all, knowing Tom's not here, and, and, and I really appreciate him and the ministry of this church, and my wife and I have only been attending a year and a half or so, but um, I know that, that you are a flock who knows the word, and that's because of the leadership, and I think that's extremely important. And I know the responsibility to stand up here is great, and I take that seriously. And so let's look at God's word and trust that what God will do is, um, in spite of me, speak to you. And that's what we want. So, Chapter 12, verse 20 of John, the Gospel of John. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These, therefore, came to Philip, who was, with, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So these Greeks came to Philip and said, We want to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. I don't know if... Philip was a little awkward in public or what, but anywhere, what the deal was. But he went and got Andrew. Uh, and um, Andrew and Philip went to Jesus and said, uh, and, and told him about the Greeks. And Jesus said in verse 23, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And of course, he's talking about himself there. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to, etern- to life eternal. Now, I think Jesus is referring to himself there to some extent, but he's kind of transferring to his disciples here. So, so th- we need to perk up at verse 25. That's not really the text, but it's it getting in there, setting the groundwork. Then verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I'd like like us to pray here. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being willing to lay down your life, to lose it for our sake. Lord, we love you this morning. And we just pray that you'd open your word and it would speak to your people. Uh, As we'll see here, Lord, your sheep hear your voice and you know them and they follow you. And we pray that would be the case this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Not this last Friday, um, which I did get a report from Kevin on the the Go team, but 
the, the, the August first Friday, I was able to attend and I got there early um, because, frankly, I hadn't been there for three or four months and I'd kind of forgotten exactly. You all have to know me to understand how my life goes. But anyway, I got there early, will suffice it to say, and I happened to, and so I was waiting around and I saw my son and daughter in law there, and my son told me uh, about a group that was on one side of the square uh, that was called Ask an Atheist. <clears throat> some of you, some of you men, have already heard me kind of tell this. This will be, Lord willing, an abbreviated version. Ask an Atheist, and it was sponsored by the Springfield Skeptic Society. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm doing now what I did then and what I did in first service. It just strikes me as very funny. But anyway, so my son told me about that, and so we talked, and there were some other people I met that I knew there, and I decided, well, I need to be looking for the fellows to make sure I'm not missing out on the GO team. So I went to the designated corner, and nobody was there, so I was walking around, and I finally found myself around where the Ask the Atheist group was. They had this kind of placard that was made out of chalkboard, you know, and they had written on there, ask an atheist. And so I, I, I said, sure, why not? You know, try it at least once, right? <clears throat> so I walk up and I'm, and I just standing there looking at the placard, ask an atheist. And I just was tempted not to laugh out loud like I just did because I'm the, I mean, literally the first thing that popped in my head was, why would I want to ask an atheist anything? You know, to me it was funny, right? If you're an atheist, you don't believe anything, right? Now, that's probably not true. That's probably a caricature, but that's what went through it. If you're an atheist, you don't believe anything. And if you don't believe anything, what do you have to tell? Right? So why would I want to ask them a question when they don't have anything to say? Right? I mean, that's just what was going through my head. So anyway, this gentleman came up to me and he asked me something. I don't remember what he said. And I basically said, I'm not sure why I want to ask an atheist a question. That's pretty much what I said to him. I don't know if that's exactly word for word, but it, just because that's what was in my head. So he asked me if I was religious and I kind of hedged because I just have a personal qualm about being called religious. I understand all the academic, you know, I understand it. I just have a problem with just saying I'm religious. I'm not religious. I'm a Christian and I serve the true and living God and he's real. So there isn't anything religious. It's just this reality. To me, it's reality. So I did. I hedged and he said, well, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I'm a Christian. And he said, what kind are you? What kind are you? Now, I know what he meant, and he went on to explain what he meant, but I knew what he meant. But the question has stuck in my head, what kind are you? Now, as far as the atheist story, we're done, pretty much. The the interesting side note to that is, I never did ask him a question. We spent 45 minutes talking, and he asked me all of the questions. And the amazing thing about it, this is the reason I'm, I'm still talking about it today, because it so amazed me, he was asking really good questions. He was asking the kind of questions you wished anybody anywhere would just walk up on the street and start asking you these questions. I mean, we talked, we talked about, oh, I got to share the gospel with him. He was, he was asking, and I just was answering his questions. He was just asking questions, I was answering them. It was a really a great time. But I came away with, what kind are you? So the title of the message this morning is, what are you? And it's very important what you are. How you see yourself, how you think of yourself, that's very important. 
Because the devil's workshop is the mind, right? I don't know who said that. Ben Franklin, somebody. It's not in the Bible, believe me. <clears throat> if it is, it's right next to cleanliness, it's next to godliness. But, but, but anyway, but it's true that our, our mind is, is, well, how we think of ourselves. How would you answer that question? Are we known for, if our neighbors saw us, would they say, oh, you know, they're, they're, you're one of those people that meet in a building on certain days of the week, or you engage in certain religious activities at certain times, or you refrain from certain habits like hairstyles and, you know, clothing styles and music preferences and on and on and on, right? Is, is that who you are? Are, are you seen that way? Is that the way you see yourself? Are we really just people that pay our dues and go through the initiation rites and attend a required number of meetings a week like the Lions Club or the Rotary Club or pick a group or organization of your choice? Is that all we are? Is that what we are? How do we see ourselves? What defined us? Even what defines us? Even the word Christian has a meaning, right? It's my understanding, anyway. Little Christ, right? Or, uh, or um, um, a representation of Christ. So even the word Christian has a meaning. What we think of ourselves is important because, like I said, the mind is the devil's is the devil's workshop. It's our battleground. Peter says, "Gird the loins of your minds for action." You, what, what, how you see yourself and how you think of yourself determines how you're going to respond emotionally, how you, the decisions you're going to make, how you're going to act, how you're going to walk, how you're going to see yourself and how others are going to see you. You know, you might be being told, you know, I don't hold a position of importance. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not a worship leader i'm not you know fill in the blank i'm not this or even worse yet you might get these accusations well you've never really led somebody to the lord exactly or you know you've got this group of sins that you can't ever seem to overcome so maybe you just you know you're not the christian you ought to be or maybe you're not a christian at all you get these kind of accusations these lies if we look at ourselves biblically, we can battle those, right? We can, we can resist, right? Submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So we need to be, we need to have our minds straight. So what are we? Well, I answered my ask an atheist friend. <laughs> what I think is one of the best descriptions in scripture, and it's in our text here, of who you are, who I am, who we are, how we should think of ourselves, and that is we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what I told him. He wanted me to say I was Baptist because then he was going to hit me with something, right? Or he wanted me to say I was Presbyterian and he was going to, you know, I don't know, talk to me about something else. <clears throat> but I didn't say any of those things, and I didn't on purpose, and I feel like it was just the grace of God, the Spirit of God, giving me this thought to tell him, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ because, brethren, that's what the Scripture says we are. And we need to believe it. Because at bare minimum, at bare minimum, every person that names the name of Christ 
is very important in the eyes of God because they're following Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, you need to wonder, where are you at? If you're just walking in here a few days a week and kind of, you know, oh yeah, I attend, whatever the reason is, is that is that what it is to be a Christian? Is that who you are? And that's what I want us to look at. No matter how prominent, how noticed we may or may not be, to be pleasing to the Lord, we need to look at three things here, I think, in the, in the text that we have in this John twelve twenty six, We need to be followers of Jesus, walking with him. We need to be servants of Jesus, working for him. And where? Wherever he is. Wherever he is, right? So, <clears throat> that was a little better. So may the Lord help us to to look at this today. I I really did have to skip a lot of what I have in my message. I mean, I was back there slicing and dicing while we were worshiping the Lord this morning. So because I want us, I feel like God has something here for, for somebody, for all of us, I trust. So following the Lord. The reason I'm saying I think this is this is what we all are and the way we need to look at ourselves, it's bare minimum. You can't get out of this. You can say, oh, well, I'm not the pastor, or I'm not the deacon, or I'm not the elder, or I'm not, I can't play an instrument, or I, you know, I can't sing, I can't do this, I can't... Yes, that may be true. There may be gifts and talents and abilities and callings you don't have. But what you do have is you're a follower of Christ. In fact, Jesus himself commands it, so you can't get out of it. And he commands it right here in verse 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. It's not optional to be a Christian. You can't just say, oh yeah, Jesus, I'm a Christian. Let let me know when I can help you out. You know, get in touch. I'll write you a letter. No, we're following him. It's in the text. Look at Peter and Andrew. He's walking along the seaside. He sees these guys in a boat. They've been fishing. They're men and nets, whatever. What does Jesus say to Peter and Andrew? Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Fishing for men. We're going to throw out. We're going to go catch an atheist. (laughs) Maybe that's what we need to put it. We need a sign that says catch an atheist. That'd be, they wouldn't understand, but that would be cool. Anyway, that's what Jesus said. What about Levi? Levi the tax, the Jew that's collecting money for the Romans. Oh my goodness. That was not well accepted. What did Jesus do? He walked right up and said, follow me. Right? Looked right at him, I'm sure. Follow me. Now he was Jesus. I understand that. But what if, what did Levi do? He left everything. Left his money, left his table, left his account. I mean, if it was Ebenezer, he left his bah humbug right there, right? He got up and followed Jesus. That's what he did. It's Jesus' command to us. But you know what? It's the, And this is important. I think this is the crux of why we follow Jesus. It's the initial response of a true encounter or a real encounter or a living encounter with Jesus Christ. It's the, re, it's the response. Look at blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting there. He's hoping Jesus will probably heard of Jesus, hoping he'll come by. He's having to beg because he can't see. He, tr- he has to depend on other people because he can't walk around because he can't see. Uh, to some extent, anyway. I'm sure he could get around to some extent. But you know what I mean. He's limited. 
he hears Jesus come along and he starts making a racket. He's not going to be ignored. They're trying to hush him up and tell him to be quiet. They're embarrassed or whatever. And he says, no, I want Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus comes over and says, what do you want? He says, Lord, my sight. And Jesus heals him and he can see. And what's the first thing he does? Scripture says right there, we could read it, but I don't want to take the time. He follows Jesus. Bartimaeus begins to follow. He can see and he starts following the Lord. That was his initial response. Um, <clears throat> Mary Magdalene does the same thing. We don't have it in Scripture exactly like that. But we're told that Mary Magdalene had, se- had I think, seven demons. She had a multiple demons that Jesus delivered her from. And I don't know when it was, but I'm going to guess it was early on in his ministry because it says specifically about her and other women that they supported Jesus' ministry, that they were supporters of Jesus. They And I know that they must have followed him because all the way through his ministry, his trial, his death, and his resurrection, where do you find Mary in the story? At the tomb, after the resurrection. I think Mary probably followed him the whole way. She was a follower. That was her response. I'm delivered from demonic control, and this is the man that did it. And I'm going to follow him. Now, we also see that same thing, though, in the rich young ruler. Right? Jesus, rich young ruler says, Lord, what, what do I do? What do I need to do to have eternal life? And he said, well, you keep the commandments. Well, I've done all that. And Jesus says, well, one thing you lack. You need to sell everything you have. You'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. He hung his head, didn't he? Sad. Hung his head. He was. He couldn't. He couldn't let go. He couldn't get rid of that that had a grip on him, and he couldn't follow Jesus. Okay, so he didn't have that response. Others did. It's the way Scripture defines us as Christians. It's Jesus' command. It's the first response, as we see in Scripture. It's the way Scripture defines us. In other words, I like to look at the Bible sometimes about certain topics. Is What are assumptions? The Bible makes all kinds of assumptions about things that we don't always see. It just starts talking about it. And you, and you begin to realize, well, wait a minute. They're, they're kind of assuming some things. And one of the things the Scriptures assumes about us is that we're followers. Now, Jesus said it specifically in John 10. This is the way the Scripture describes us, and it's Jesus speaking, my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said, and I know them, and they follow me. That's that's the description of a Christian. We know the Lord. He knows us. We hear his voice. We won't answer to strangers. We don't know the voice of strangers. We won't follow strangers because it's not a familiar sound. We'll follow Jesus. In Revel, in um, actually in Mark 13, I believe this is Jesus again. The Scripture says, "Those who endure to the end will be saved." That doesn't have the word "follow," but if you're going to the end, right, you must be intending to get somewhere, right? So, and and if you're enduring to the end, you must be a follower of Jesus. This is kind of an assumption. So it's clear in Scripture. It's clear in Scripture. It has to do with meeting Jesus. And, and just think in your own life. Think, just think in your own life how you've been as a Christian. 
And that's who you are. You need to start thinking of yourself this way. <clears throat> well, what's, what's the conditions? What are the conditions of following the Lord? Well, it's in our text. It's in our text. It talks about losing our life, right? If we, losing our life. It talks about being a servant. In a parallel passage, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross every day and follow me. So <clears throat> there's, a, there's a cost. There's a sacrifice. There's a humbleness about our following the Lord. Right? It's not about us. It's about Him. His, our life becomes His life. He, he can do with it as He wants. He's the one. So the place in Scripture says where we say, we, we're to say, Lord, we've only done that which You've asked. We're unworthy servants. We've only done that which You've asked. Right? We're, we're here to, to do what God says. And, <clears throat> but on the other hand, and uh, this is in Philippians 3. And I'm going to turn there. So uh, as a reminder, if you all want to, you can. Philippians 3, starting in verse 17. Um, I brought the wrong Bible. This is the Bible that my kids say smell like me. And it's just because I've read it too much, I think. <laughs> so the pages stick together. I don't want to get too gross on here, but the pages stick together. All right, verse 17. Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. There are those who are enemies of Christ. I like this. I don't know if this is a chiasm or what, but there are enemies. Their end is destruction, Paul goes on to say. They, They are... Um, their, their God is their appetite. They glory in their shame and they set their mind on earthly things. And Paul is saying, don't walk, don't walk like that. He's implying, you used to be this way. Don't do that. That's not the way you walk. Where are we walking from as servants? Where are we walking from as those who are giving their life to Christ to, to sacrifice their life and following Him? We're citizens of heaven. If you go on down, Right? Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. We're not enemies of the cross. Because of the cross, we've become naturalized citizens. We're citizens of heaven because of the cross. We are um, <clears throat> waiting eagerly for a Savior. Our end is not destruction. Our end is salvation. We're not living our life as if our body didn't matter and go for the gusto and wear it out just as fast as you possibly can with all these rotten things, our, our appetite and our shame and <clears throat> our mindset on earthly things. No, we are eagerly awaiting a new body. God's going to give us a new body and we're going to use the one we've got to serve Him. So it's kind of a... We're, we're in this place where God has put us, citizens of heaven, and we're down here serving the King, right? Sacrificing for Him. If we're going to follow Him, that's what we're going to have to go through. <clears throat> I, I, I was going to cut this out, but I, I like the thought, so I'll try to make it quick. 
what about, you know, just kind of getting tired of this 24-7 Jesus thing? Have you ever had anybody talk to you about that? I don't think I ever have, but I feel like I've seen the attitude. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, got to go to church. Got to go to church, and I got to listen to these guys, and they're talking about this stuff, and I feel guilty that I don't go to a prayer meeting, and I feel guilty that I don't do this, and, and I'm just getting tired of this 24-7 Jesus stuff. Well, well, Jesus faced the same thing. He said, you got to eat my, bu- my body and drink my blood. That's about all of the Lord you can get right there if you're doing that, right? You've got to have all of me, he said. And oh, the, many of the disciples, most of them said, we can't take this. I don't know what this guy's talking about. We're done. We're not going to follow him anymore. So they left. He looks at the 12 disciples, the apostles, and he says, what about you guys? You're going to leave too? He didn't beg them to stay. He's just asking them. You know, you're gonna... And what did Peter say? Where do we go? Right? In other words, who are we going to follow? Why? You have the words of eternal life. <clears throat> Why is it, brethren, if we're followers of Christ right now, why is it that we can never stop following him? You know, the, the disciples, when he got up, they had to go with him, right? It, convenient or not. When he stopped, they stopped. We've got to find a place to sleep. We've got to find some place to find some food. We've got to, right, we've got to build a fire or what? You know, I don't know what they had to do. Whatever they had to do. Jesus decides to get up. Well, Jesus, let me know when you get there. You know, I'll find a shortcut or send us a postcard, right? No, they went with him. When he was healing, when he was <clears throat> feeding the multitude, when he was preaching about the kingdom, it didn't matter what he was doing. Those disciples were right there. Well, Why? Why is that about Christians, that they want to constantly follow him? Because they encountered the living Christ in their life. Now, I'm not going to try to put my experience on you, and I don't want you to put your experience on other people. But, you know, we're experiential people. Right? We don't just have a brain. We have emotions. We, have, we are who we are. And we get... And, and, as lost sinners, we get in really tight jams, right? We get, in fact, when God begins to awaken us, we realize, I'm in a mess. And whatever that mess is, nobody else has an answer for it until you see Jesus. And you realize, here's the answer. And and it's not just a, oh, oh, you know, it's not just a, oh, gee, I can't get my lawn mowed today. Oh, here comes Jesus. He's mowing my lawn for me. It's not that. It's desperation, right? I, I mean, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, it was I'm in a mess and I don't know how to get out of it. And all of a sudden, one day, Jesus looked really good. And he came and he... And he cleansed me and he delivered me from guilt and he did, he did all these things for me. I wanted to follow the Lord. Nobody had to make me, shame me. I wanted to. It's nonstop because, and the reason we're willing for it to be nonstop is because of the one we're following and what he's done for us. If that doesn't make us want to follow the Lord, I don't know what will. And what's really cool about saying you're a follower is, besides 
that. I mean, that's cool enough. That ought to be all there is. We aren't defined by other things anymore. We're defined simply by following the Lord Jesus and loving Him. That's our, that's how, that's who we are. So these things, you know, well, I'm not of this and I'm not of that and I'm not of something else. We're not, we're not defined by that. That isn't what gives us our worth and our value. I'm not saying they're wrong. Yes, we need a building. Yes, praise band's wonderful. Having a pastor and deacons and elders and all those things. I'm not saying they're wrong. But what's controlling us? What is, if those things are bigger than following the Lord, then we're not following the Lord, right? We're following those things. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's made us to be. That's what he's called us to be. That's what we want to be because of our encounter with him. That doesn't mean we sit around and do nothing, though. <clears throat> oh, good, I feel better about a little better about the day. <laughs> that doesn't mean we do nothing, though. <clears throat> right? He says, if you serve me, you'll follow me. Right? So if we're following, we can't serve unless we follow, and we can't follow unless we serve. So you, you can't have one without the other. You've got to do both. So what is our service? Again, the mind goes, wow, I'm going to be a this for the Lord. Well, that's You know what? I'm not really wanting to disparage that. What I'm wanting to do is encourage us all. And here's the encouragement. If we've got the foundation right, if we're thinking right, if we're seeing who we are, like God sees who we are, right, then all those other things are a possibility. All those other things we can, you know, seek the Lord about and see where he opens the doors, right? That's what I'm getting at. So what's this, what's one way of serving him that we do? Well, the first way I think is really important is in faith. And I have scripture for it, John 6. The Jews said, what do we do to work the works of God to Jesus? And Jesus says in John 6, um, I didn't put the verse down here, but I believe it's the last verse, 29. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So when you're following the Lord and you're serving him, what's the first work you need to get down when you're following the Lord Jesus? Faith in him. You're trusting him for everything, for your salvation, the forgiveness of your sin, for the next car payment, the next meal on the table, the, the, the lost loved one. You're believing him. And, and <clears throat> you can be standing up here every Sunday, and if you're not believing him, probably not very effective. What I'm saying is our work is is going to have to have this foundation of trusting Christ. What else? Not just believing Him, but it's walking in the Spirit. And I think this is so important, brethren, because here's the deal. We get all tied up in knots. I've sinned today. Oh, I sinned again. I sinned 30 times today. Whatever. They said... Martin Luther took confession so seriously that the other priest, the priest that had to hear his confession, didn't like, they didn't want him to come. He would take hours, hours and hours to confess his sin. He took it seriously. <clears throat> Is sin serious? Yes. Are there consequences? Absolutely. Are we not to sin? 
Yes. But we believe too many what I think are lies. Our work, brethren, is to walk in the Spirit. Not do the Spirit's job for Him. It's to walk in the Spirit. Now Paul tells us here in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17, he says, I affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. In the futility of their mind, darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the hardness of their heart, because of their callousness. He says, uh, for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. He said, don't do that. He said, you didn't learn Christ that way. That's not the way a follower of Christ follows. That's not how you learned to follow What do we do to follow? We put on the new man. Now that's the Holy Spirit's job. That new man, that whole idea in John 3 of being born again, right? Becoming somebody we never were before. Being changed on the inside. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the one thing we need to believe about ourselves is what's in here is just fine. What out here isn't redeemed yet. We, we don't experience it. We're still in this body. That's the reason Paul talks about it. Romans 6. The, the body of sins made powerless, but we're still in it. So what do we do? We put on the new man. Where do we put him on? On the inside. We spent our Gentile lives in futility letting this out here control what's in here. And we went for the bait every time. And in some cases completely ruined our lives. God does the other thing. He comes in by the power of the Holy Spirit and He makes you a new creature. Somebody you've never been before. That's, that in, that's created here in verse 24 in righteousness and holiness of the truth. It's in the likeness of God what He did on the inside of you. And what, we, what you're supposed to do is walk in the Spirit. Obey the Spirit. Do the things of the Spirit so that what's on the inside starts controlling this. Can I be tempted? Yes. Can I be tempted with the same old things I was tempted with before I was a Christian? Absolutely. What's the difference? God's neutered the flesh and put a new man in you. You should be, if we are walking in the Spirit, we're controlling this out here. If we're not, then we're run amok, right? And that's a work, brethren. That is a work in serving Christ. It isn't a, oh, I'm going to pull myself, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to grip my teeth until I don't sin anymore. So God won't be mad at me and cause my, my pipes to leak this morning at 4.30 in the morning, which by the way actually happened in the house. No, that is a wrong view of us, and it's a wrong view of God, and it's exactly what the devil would have. You want to follow Christ and serve Him? Walk in the Spirit. Are you going to be perfect? No, you are not going to be perfect. You are going to be becoming conformed to the image of Christ. And that's what God wants. God wants for you 
to sin, to be, God wants you to be sinless more than you do. But he knows it's a process for you. So if you sin, like John 1, if we sin, if, we have an advocate with the Father, right? God's taking care of that. He's not surprised. He's not mad. He may spank us, right? He may discipline us to get our attention, get us going right. He wants us to walk in the Spirit. God's with us on this. It's a work we do. Do Here's what I'm saying. As believers, as followers of Christ, don't get discouraged and want to ignore these areas in your life that you have difficulty with. That's, that's where God wants you to serve Him. Is right there. That point. Because as you begin to walk and learn to walk and learn to walk and walk in the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, as you begin to do those things, you overcome you conform to Christ. There is victory. So that he wants us to do that. <clears throat> Walk in the Spirit. We're also to work to touch others in, with the kingdom. And uh, Ephesians says we've been saved by faith. And that he's given us good works to walk in. Titus told us, and we just heard that I believe. I don't know if that was last Sunday, but pastor's been preaching on Titus. I know he got through Titus. We're to be rich in good works. God, Jesus saved us to be a people zealous for good works. What does that mean? Are we saved by those things? No. But when we clothe people and we feed them and we reach out to them and help them with their car payment and get their car started and help them with their house, whatever you do and you do all to the glory of God, You touch someone with the kingdom. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. If they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and say, you bunch of no good. No. Say, the kingdom of God has come near you. Now, they may reject that touch, but the kingdom of God has touched them. And that's a work. That's what we're to walk in. We're also to be we're also to be ready to make a defense for the hope that's in us. Um, this is here's what I will say. When at the stoning of Stephen and the dispersion, what did everybody do? And I think it means everybody. You could say it meant the apostles, but I think it means everybody. What happened? They were they were scattered, right? And what did they the people that were scattered, what did they do? You remember? In Acts. They went everywhere talking about Jesus, sharing the gospel. Then that's my paraphrase, but you read it, it's pretty close. They went everywhere doing that. We need to be ready to do that. When we touch people with others, as we're walking in the Spirit, when people see us day in and day out, walking in faith, walking in the Spirit, touching others with the kingdom, they're going to come up to you and say, you are the weirdest guy I have ever seen. What, what's up? How come you're like this? Why is it you do with your kids what you do? Or how come you react to this? We've got to be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in us, brethren. We need to be ready. If we've encountered Christ... We, we know exactly what to say. We may not all be evangelists, 
But we're all witnesses. And you can only talk about what you've seen. And if you've seen something, that's good enough. Talk about what you've seen. So where at? Where do we do this? Do I need to go to Africa? Do I need to go to China? Maybe. God's calling you to do that. I'd suggest you do that. But as followers of Jesus, maybe you need to live in Pakistan and come here. (laughs) I'm sorry. I chase rabbits and I know the time's up. But I, I have a Bible study at work and years ago I had a guy from Korea come in and he had a Bible that was in Korean. And he, and he made a point first off to show me that he starts at the back and goes to the front. I said, oh, your Bible's backwards. And he said, no, yours is. <clears throat> right, brother? It's all a matter of perspective. Yeah, I'm sure you face that all the time. We think here we're right, right? And everybody else is backwards. That's not true. So, so the Lord sent us a, 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 the man we needed from Pakistan to teach us about God. And that's good. So where do we go? Where do we go? Well, where's Jesus? <clears throat> well, Matthew 28, Jesus says what? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, I'm with you. What else does Scripture say? We're in Christ. Right? We're in Christ. That, that, Paul uses that phrase all the time. Well, if we're in Him and He's with us and we're here, then we're... Where are we supposed to be? Where's Jesus? Well, he's here. What's the scripture say? What's the text say in John 12, 26? He says, where I am, there shall my servant also be. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. Well, where are you? Well, you're with Jesus, right? Because <laughs> he's, right? If, if we're where he is and where he is is where we are, and if I'm following the Lord, then do I need to be somewhere else? Well, maybe if God's calling you to do that, but maybe just right where you are is where Jesus is, and that's where you need to be. So I'm going to get up and I'm Tuesday morning, and I'm going to go to work at Bass Pro Corporate because that's where I am, right? So, so that's where I serve him. That's where I follow him. That's where I walk with him. We don't have to make this... complicated or we shouldn't make it complicated our where we work is where the Lord had us and we do whatever it is he's given us to do so here's here's the thing and there's a whole lot of things we get man I this is a series Uh, (laughs) we're done right but here's what I want you to get you're following the Lord you're serving him. How are you serving him? What do you, where are you at? What do you do? What is it that makes you tick? What are things that God has given you? <clears throat> I can't be. Is Kevin in here? He was here first service. You will be glad I'm not a physician. There is no way I will be a physician. It's not going to happen. So I don't have to worry about that. What is it that God's put in your hands? What gifts, what talents, what motivates you? I'm not saying that that's always the case, but very often that's where God's going to use us. And how's he going to use us? He isn't going to make a great, I'm not going to have a great programming ministry, I don't think. (laughs) But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to work and I'm going to write program code and I'm going to follow Jesus. And I hope I'm going to believe him and I'm going to walk in the spirit and I'm going to touch others right there. And that's where Jesus is for me. That's where I am. That's where Jesus is. Let's get busy. Wherever his servant is, that's where 
they, wherever he is, that's where his servant is. And that's where we are. We should be encouraged that we can follow Jesus whatever we do. I don't care what the work is. I don't care what it is. As long as it's not sinful. <laughs> right? And I mean, clearly sinful. So, and that should be encouraging to us because as we as we follow the Lord in those things, you just may you just don't know what God might do. But even if He doesn't do those things that we picture as these big deals, big spiritual things, we are useful in His kingdom, and we are not going to know contentment apart from that, brethren. I'm convinced there is no contentment apart from that. <clears throat> you can't be who you're not. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Kind of hurt. Whatever the theological reason is, he kind of looked a little hurt. Yes, Lord, I love you. Follow me. So he gets up and starts following the Lord. Peter's following the Lord away from the campfire where the fish were. And John gets up and starts following them. Peter looks around and sees John. Lord, what about that guy? Right? Do we do that? Lord, what about that guy? He's got a ministry. What about that? What about that lady? She does things. Why can't I do that, Lord? Why? You know, that's kind of the underlying question. Jesus said, "What's it to you if I want him to remain here until I return?" Of course, then that started a big rumor that wasn't true. But that's not what the Lord the Lord didn't say what the rumor was, but it got misconstrued. Jesus said, "Peter, what? You follow me. Don't worry about the other guy." You can't be who you're not. Peter wasn't John. John wasn't Peter. We see that all through the scripture. You are who you are. And that's how God's going to use you, more than likely. So, don't make it complicated. Follow him where you are if you're following the Lord and trusting him and, and going with him. So, tell others, your atheist friends, whoever asks. I'm a follower of Jesus. Show others. I'm a follower of Jesus by what you do. Touch them with the kingdom. Wherever you are, with whatever God has placed at your disposal, follow Jesus. That's what he's calling us to do. We will never find religious activity to be anything more than dull and dry and boring unless we're following the one who has impacted our lives for all eternity. And if we submit to him and follow him, we might be used in others' lives to embrace the king that we embraced and to follow the king that we follow, and that's our desire. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and uh, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that, Father, I just thank you that you, you do what we can't. And I just pray that you've done that this morning, and, Lord, that it, it has impacted uh, the lives of your people. And, Father, for anyone here who doesn't know you or who thinks they do, and maybe found out by your spirit they don't. I pray that they wouldn't put it off, they wouldn't wait, but they would gladly come and begin following you. And so encourage our hearts with this. Help us to 
sing your praises here and, and leave uh, joyfully. In Jesus' name, amen.